Welcome to the Nexodus podcast. Been a very exciting time to see all the great things that the Most High is doing on the earth in spite of the wars and rumors of wars. We're hearing about the war that's going on in the Middle East. And that war has been raging for quite some time. But from the spirit space, there's a whole nother type of manifestation and reality that is been brewing or has been brewing for centuries according to man's time according to our time and we talked about that earlier in the book of genesis in chapters uh one chapters one two three four five all the way up into six we're seeing the encounters and interactions between the fallen the supernatural the angelic and the natural, the human, who was made in the image of the Father. So there's this beauty in the way that the Most High creates, where he took the form of the earth and breathed in it. And that was in the garden, chapter 2, that encompasses all of Ethiopia, off of the Nile, and Havila. This is very foundational and important, and if you go back to the earlier Nexodus podcasts it will help get you to understand the the continuum that we're flowing in as we move into chapter 12 of Genesis and this is a very important and pivotal part of the scriptures in my life has been my guide my compass since the age of 17 when I was intending my undergrad in Springfield Missouri I used to hold a Bible study and it was called word power where a few of us as students would come together and we would study the word and the most High would come and visit and share with us some of his of divine insight and wisdom that would put me on a trajectory to it wasn't fulfilled until now that I'm 45 started when I was 17 and we're going to see that in the life of Abram where he went through cycles and that the fullness of promise took many years so when the word of the most high or the spirit realm moves or there's a declaration that is pronounced it may not always show up in the physical realm as we perceive it to be or how we want it to be that's why we have to let go of vain imaginations thought processes that can cause us to falter and misinterpret and even yeah, our ancestors experienced that where they perceived the most high through creation fulfilling a promise that was given but we misunderstood or we got sidetracked and you see that throughout scriptures how Adam and Eve got sidetracked and it threw us off to this very day that we're still experiencing the disconnection to the garden which is in Ethiopia where the other nations have come down and trodden on the land. But in these days and in these times, in these years of the return, as it is spoken of in Ezekiel 37, that the dry bones will live again. So the Most High is calling us to speak to the bones and to speak in the realms of the spirit, that it would open up spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as we approach Genesis chapter 12, and we're going through these genealogies and bloodlines. It's extremely important because it's setting the foundation for alignment to happen. It starts in the blood 
The Most High does everything through blood. That's why he doesn't like blood being shed. And when blood is being shed at high rates, you know that the Prince of Darkness is the orchestrator of death. That battle that we talked about that started in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, the Most High created the heavens and the earth. That's an, a most definitive and powerful statement that he created the heaven and the earth. So whoever is in the heavens or in the earth, they've been created. And then it says the earth was without form and was void and darkness was on the deep. And as we shared in earlier podcasts, that there was a collision that happened. A, a rebellion that took place place and that it's still reverberating through time and the most high has given through his word the judgment but the manifestation of it in the physical realm is upon us do we know exactly when it's going to happen no but we can see signs because it said there will be an increase it's almost like when you grab a, a animal and it's wagging its tail and it's trying to break free because it knows that its time has come that that is what is happening. You're finding that the, the wicked is maneuvering the nations at, high to, at such a high level because the shift is upon us. These are the most dangerous and scariest times for those who don't understand or understand what's happening. But for those who the Most High is calling to walk in divine purpose, he said, my glory will fill the heavens and the earth. So our prayer is that through these podcasts that there would be a a newness revelation uh, understanding that would come through the airways that the most high would move upon these words and touch his people and wake them up and get us in right alignment because we need him just like abram needed him so i want to walk through genesis chapter 12 through 15 and I think one of the most important portions is to backtrack a little bit. So in Genesis chapter 9, verse 25, it says, after Noah came to his awareness, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brethren. And then he said, this is Noah. So Noah cursed Canaan. The Most High didn't curse Canaan. The Most High cursed Cain when Cain, what, spilled blood. So he cursed him. He said, you will be a vagabond in the earth and you won't have rest. And the Most High was still gracious to him, although he went, stepped outside the covenant. And he had, he said, you have the, the, the fallen. Why is your countenance like the fallen? So remember the spirit realm and then in the physical realm was interchangeable. Such a high degree at that time that Satan would, would interface with the, the sons of men often as or the, the fallen, those who rebelled against the Most High, those who wanted to be or thought in their heart that they could even challenge the creator of all things. That's such a difficult concept to even understand as um, human beings. But the scripture is painting a picture to discern it more so than just in the logic, because in the logic, the way we've been trained in these worlds, in these environments would make this sound um, like it can't be proven. So then it, it, it negates it or it, it trivializes it to just being myth. But this is storyline based on a group of people that the Most High chose for his glory. 
and for his his inheritance, his heritage. The firstborn of creation. So the way we understand, understand, understand the contact or the text, the scripture is going to be different from the nations. And that's OK. We need to begin to embrace that, that it doesn't all have to make sense. The way certain animals operate from others, logically, I'm sure a kangaroo might look at a lion and say, why you got to do all that? <laughs> why do you have to be that way? But that's what it is, because the Most High has fashioned it and formed it in that manner that only he can relate to that individual or that group of people or that animal to finish up that analogy but to bring it back full circle there was there's a battle that's been constantly going on and in genesis chapter three and i'm just backtracking a little bit to set us up for where we're going genesis chapter three it says what i will put enmity between your seed and her seed so there's always been this war between satan's seed when he came in and infiltrated human genealogies Genesis chapter 6 talks about it. The book of Jasher talks about it. The book of Enoch talks about it. So many of the quote-unquote Old Testament books talk about this interchange that's been happening or that has happened and that is continuing to happen to this day, but just in a different form and way. And what we see here is that Cain spilled blood, the Most High cursed Cain. Noah, who was walking upright before the Most High, was a part of the regenerative flow that the most i had to wipe those people out from genesis 6 he said oh you guys are way too interactive with the fallen and you're gonna mess up this whole thing again genesis chapter 1 and 2 earth without form and void once again we were always going through these cycles of destroying earth just like we are right now we got 20 we got 15 more we got seven more years we got this before the earth is destroyed from global warming so the earth is always resetting itself because humans continue to rebel and in conjunction or in allegiance to the fallen who continues to take human beings through these cycles. This is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual warfare. So if we understand that this is a spiritual warfare, then we wrestle not against flesh and blood, as Paul said. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers, thought processes, cycles, systems. All those things represent spirit. So that was the wickedness that, that, that was occurring during Noah's time. Noah gets through it through the flood of most high water said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Here's the rainbow to signify that I will never destroy the land with water. Now we're moving along. Noah excited and happy. He got back to the land. He was a husband and he got another chance. He got to do redo what his forefather, Adam and Eve couldn't do right. So now he's moving forward and he gets drunk. His sons mock him or his son mocked him. And we have cursed be Cain in verse 25. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And then in 26, it says, and this is a very key. These two verses are really important to frameworking how we approach the scriptures and to figure out if there was a mistranslation, if it was done purposely or if it was done out of mistake. We're never going to know that. But from a contextual standpoint and seeing this pattern of the way the Most High operates and how human beings operate and how the nations have been split up. There seems to have been a shift. Now, in this podcast, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I'm going to tap and touch into it just briefly, but continue to move forward because we have a lot of ground to cover. Genesis chapter 26, and he said, blessed be the most high God of Shem and 
Canaan shall be his servant. So Shem, Japheth, and Ham were the three main progenitors for humanity after the flood. So they were the progenitors of the earth because you have the Gentiles that were mentioned here. We see here in verse 27, for the most high shall enlarge Japheth, enlarge him, give him more room, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. And he cursed Canaan, which was Ham's last son, his last seed, Canaan. It's really important to understand who he cursed. It wasn't Ham, although a lot of historical injustices was placed on that particular place in scripture, which was a pretext, which was um, exegetically incorrect. The hermeneutics was off because they proofed texted. They didn't see it in a context. But at the time, the agenda wasn't to be true to the word. It was to enslave other groups of people. But on the, the larger scale, it was still something that the Most High was allowing based on a covenant that was broken between him and his firstborn. And he said, I always chastise my firstborn to bring them back into alignment because my word is forever. So all the slavery and the things that happened, that was atrocious and there's no excuse for it. But it was also within the divine plan that the Most High was using to realign his children and that he would judge the nations who had the power at the time to do what they did. In Genesis chapter 10, there was the lay of the lands. You have Japheth, which if we look through a little bit closer, I'm convinced that it was Ham and that the translations are a bit skewed, but that's another conversation. Genesis chapter 10, these are the sons of Noah, and this is how the generations were separated. In verse 2, and the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, Tyrus. The sons of Gomer, which was Japheth's firstborn son, was Ashkenai, um, Repoth, and Togama. And then the sons of Javan, he's going through the different um grand great great grandson so forth and so on but doesn't go extremely far in it at verse five it stops and said but these were the isles of the gentiles divided in their lands the gentiles divided in their lands and in their tongues and their families and their nations so he gives a quick snapshot of the gentiles and says this is their family line this is who they are this is what they do and we see some of them there that these are european lands the Gentiles, you can see a very key term that we see, uh, Gomer, Magog, Ashkenaz. You see Kittim, Tarshish. These are all lands in, in the European spaces. But then it says in verse 6, it goes into now the sons of Ham was Cush, Mithraim, Put, and Canaan. So Ham, which once again, um, the evidence would suggest that that was Japheth because of what Genesis chapter 20, uh, 9 verse 27 says that they would dwell together. And the Isles, Gentiles, Japheth being way up there is not dwelling with Shem because we know Shem is in the western part of, of the garden, a.k.a. Africa. And you can see when we go through Genesis chapter 11, after what Nimrod went through, there was a um, the, the Tower of Babel got shut down. And then you have the split where the languages were divided and they were no longer one because they were misusing the power. So the Most High had to divide and conquer them. That's where that came from. Babel, babbling word got shut down. So you see the power of word. If one speaks one language and of one heart, they are in alignment with the Most High itself because the Most High is the word made flesh. The, the word spoken, anything you speak, the spirit, spirit space is first. 
But then the most high had to separate it once again because the vibration of human beings were still very high at the time, but had to bring it even further down. And then in chapter 11, you begin to see a layout of Shem's bloodline. And when you look at Shem's bloodline, you had a, in, in verse 10, it said he began our facts at two years after the flood and Shem lived and begat sons and daughters. Um, and then our facts at began Salah and then Eber. And you see all the Peleg, but a lot of these names are still found in portion throughout West Africa or the Western part of the garden. You see them in Niger, you see it in uh, Burkina Faso, you see it in all that Tira, that's Tira. Um, obviously some of the language is going to be a bit different because it's been through so many different um, hands. The garden has been um, broken into so many different segments and compartments that we don't know uh, um, that the names have changed, but you still see the fingerprint. I keep talking about those fingerprints. The Most High leaves fingerprints to let you know. And then also, as we go back to spirit space, there's certain things that the Most High established that cannot be moved or changed. You can move around it. You can flip it just like Satan did in the beginning. Did God say he didn't say this? He'll he'll maneuver around it to manipulate the word of the most high, but the word is forever. So when you see their names in these particular places throughout throughout the garden, then you begin to understand where things are. Um, through these studies, we know that the the northern part that we call now that is now flooded like a, a, a with sand was a fertile crescent. And that place was all very beautiful. And we believe that that area in western part going into the north, northwest, Algeria, uh, Tunisia, all in that area was plush land. And that was the Ur of the Chaldees. That is where Mesopotamia is. So when Abram in chapter 12 now gets the call and the most I said, get out, get out from among your country, from among your kindred and from thy father's house unto a land. Why? Because he made Abram the caretaker of the what? Land. Because once you have land, you have everything. And that's why the Most High said, you are the caretakers of the earth. And because of the, 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 the trauma and the brokenness of us not aligning ourselves back to the ways of the Most High, we dread the land, but the land is us. The same pain that the Afro feels has been uh, marginalized and is because the earth has been marginalized and has been uh, degraded and has been misused and is being pillaged and so forth and so on. We are actually the land. That's why the Most High made us different from everyone else. That's why our hair texture, the way we are, is very different. And that's why there's such an enmity. Uh, because I would always ask, why? Why is there so much hatred? And we can. I'm. I'm. A, I'm. I'm in. I'm moving in the realm of the spirit to supersede any type of labeling of trying to box me in and into a, a activist or a, a black theologian or all these terms. I don't even go by those terms. Black to me, when we look at the term and the definition of it is very different. So I'm not a black person. Afro is a little bit easier to maneuver within this context that we're in. So I use that word quite a bit. But I like being called the firstborn of creation because that's what I am. I was first born. I'm the caretaker of the earth. And my job is to be a caretaker of the earth and to do what is righteous unto the earth and unto my fellow people. These um, podcasts is geared toward my people. And my people is the remnant. 
It's not based in color, although a lot of it will manifest as a certain bloodline or color, but it's a people that the Most High call, and the Most High calls people from different races, calls people from different sectors. Not all Afro people are good. Not all Afro people are bad. Not all Europeans are good. Not all you, you we can run it through every uh, group of people and find the good and the bad or the rich and the poor or the have or the have nots or the class up and the class down. You're going to find that all the time. But when we begin to walk in the spirit and walk according to covenant, ultimately, if you don't have connection to the land, then you don't have anything. Ultimately, you're never safe. And that's why the most I said, get out from there because that sin was beginning to arouse again. You had Nimrod who was in the east running the whole area going ham, <laughs> literally going ham. And that's double on, on all levels, even if you make the switch up. But I, I'll leave that alone. So you, you had Nimrod doing what he was doing and the most I gave him that ability. You know, the book of Jasher talks about that he had on the garments of um of adam that clothes that that was that was meant to cover his shame he was it was passed down he stole it and put it on now we don't find that in the canonical uh versions of um the judeo-christian 66 books but in some of the older context or the extra biblical um text or the pseudepigrapha passages you find that these things were happening and there's a witness to that there's it makes it makes sense that there was some sort of exchange that Nimrod was able to acquire this type of connection to have the power to rule and to maneuver and manipulate the earth realm at such a high level. And Abram was around that time because Tirah was working with Nimrod. And that's why he worshiped other gods. And the Most High, if anything, he hates, which always gets us put on the outside, is when we worship other gods, when we have vain imaginations. That's why a lot of does the setup is to get us to rebel against the most high so you be rendered powerless so you can have access to the land then you're under control but he told abraham get thee from among your people see he's going to call us out he called abraham out said listen get from among them and come and follow me and it was difficult because abraham was older he had his dad his family so many things were going on he was in a, a beautiful situation and the most High said no take your family and get out and come to the place i'm going to show you and I will make of you a great nation, Genesis 12, 2, and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great. And as you can see, you have Abram being used in so many different ways. You have the Abrahamic religion. You have Abram this. And I don't get too caught up on names because once translations came in, uh, we never really know who the names are, but it points to a reality. And that's the spiritual reality that we go by. But for us to have a a portal symbol for us to understand the reality behind the ancestral um, space and um, the, the account of this person's life, Abram, that's how I read the scriptures. So Abram, um, in verse three, uh, the most High told him, I will bless thee and I will curse those who curse thee. And in thee, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Abraham seed is always a blessing to everybody, even when those times when it's in a lower state still being a blessing, still being used to to benefit from, to to empower, to strengthen. How was these nations built? Off of the garden, underdeveloped it, 
took the resources. Why? Because they, we were in a fallacy. We had sinned against the Most High. We lost connection to the land. We lost connection to his way. So then the Most High allowed Satan, the Most High allowed the nations to come in and to do what they did for a season. And that's why that season is coming upon us. So there's a turbulence being done in the spirit that is even reverberating in the Middle East, right? And some would say the tentonic plate is still Africa not going down that pathway. But in the spirit space, you know that all these wars, although it appears from a political standpoint of annihilation toward one group or um, defense from another group or this person says we're doing it because of this. And, and this group says we need to support them because of that. And you have all the different reasonings for why. But you have to pull back and look into history and you see some of the same things occurring where there's a spiritual war, there's a religious war, there's a financial war, there's a, a land war. All those combinations are physical manifestations of the spiritual reality in that these principalities and powers are battling because of the times through which the Most High has said on the greater scale. So that's why he reveals to his servants, he reveals to his people, he told Abram, get out from among them and come over here. So Abraham was what? He was obedient and he departed in verse four. And he was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Haran was his brother. So you see that names of lands were named by the individuals who was ruling in that area. Case in point, Washington, D.C. Washington is George Washington. So you have Tira, which is in Niger, which is there where they came from. You see these names, Peleg, all these names are still in in that Western area, as I said earlier. So you're knowing you're dealing with that Western part. And Abram left the West. That's why in some of the older maps, you see Judea, Judah, you see these in the, the areas called the Gold Coast. Why? Because he said, I'll give you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. That is powerful. That has abundance. In that land, from a resourceful standpoint, remember the, the, the promise was land, has those types of resources that would accommodate and verify and certify that this land is the land of plenty and promise that the Most High gave to Abram. So we keep looking at the context clues. And then it says in verse 5, And Abram took his wife and Lot, who were Haran's son, his nephew, took him because his dad had passed, was killed. Jasher talks about how he was burnt with fire and that his heart wasn't right. Um, now, whether we get into whether that's true or not, all we know that it aligns itself that Haran died there because the scriptures confirm it also in Genesis. And the context from all these extra biblical texts, depending on how you look at it, from the book of Jasher shows that Haran's heart was was off and in, in, it was infected by the whole Nimrod in society. And that would make sense why Lot would point his tent towards Sodom and that he ended up going into spaces, Sodom and Gomorrah, he went into places that he wasn't supposed to and that his daughters were so, um, then that's another generation, were so shook by his decisions that they thought that he was the only male left and got him drunk. <laughs> And and then had seed with him from an ancestral standpoint and birthed the Ammonites and the Moabites. This decision being made as a pass down. So that confirms for me that Haran, as Jasher 
chapter, I believe it's chapter 12 toward the end, talks about how um, when Nimrod was was upset with what Tirah had done with Abram and the, and, and the idol idolatry, the, Abram and Nahor and uh, Haran were um, were put into a position of, of servitude, put into the fire, were going to be killed because they were tampering with the idols. You know that's a truth today because if you tamper with some of the idols or money or the gods of this world, you will be put in the fire or you will get cut off or you would be, as they say, um, cancel culture. All these different things are still the same concept and idea that the scriptures was talking about in these particular times. So you see in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6, let me back up, verse 5. And he gathered him, he said, he got out of Haran and went forth to go to the land of Canaan. What was the promise that was given to Shem from Noah? See, that's why it's so important that parents know what you speak over your child, over your children. When he had cursed Canaan, he said, you'll be a servant and you'll be a servant to Shem. Verse, I mean, Genesis chapter 11 talks about how Shem's bloodline is from which Abram came from. Tirah was in Shem's bloodline. So the servant to Canaan, who was cursed by Noah, was given now to Abram. Why? Because he knew Abram had the right heart and would take, would give the glory to the father and do what was right with the land and be the caretaker. So the Most High said, you're going to be Canaan. You will be a servant to Shem and to Japheth. On their seed, you will be a servant. And I will make you bow and and serve them because I know their heart is right because of the way that Noah was treated. That's what Noah was saying, right? And the Most High honored what Noah said because Noah was found righteous and Noah had that relationship with the Most High. So that land of Canaan was a promised land. And I remember even as a young man when I had the Bible studies and I'm going to have to pick this up um, and do a part two. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to try to get us through 15, but it seems that I have to stop here. But I'll stop with this story in Genesis chapter 12. When I used to hold the Bible study, the Most High impressed on my heart the story of Job, that if you lost everything, would you trust me? And I told him I would. And then a year later, that's when I experienced a Job. While I was in my senior year of school, both parents had passed away. And the Most High shared those things with me so I was able it his word was able to sustain me through those difficult times and then after that situation that happened I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to do next I was just finishing uh, my undergrad and I needed to figure out where I was going to go for my graduate studies and to get my master's to continue to pursue um, the pathway in which the most I had for me and he took me to Genesis chapter 12 and in my time of prayer he told me to pull up the maps. Now, the maps that I know now is different from the maps of that time. But when I put up the maps, it showed that the Ur of the Chaldees from where Abram came from was in the eastern part of the land. And then Haran, which is his brother, where they were dwelling for quite some time was like in the middle of that land as I'm looking at the map. And then the land of Canaan was way on in the west. And I was seeking the father and trying to figure out was I to go to school in the west or to go... Um, in the east, I didn't know where to go. But long story short, after some time, I overheard a friend when I had gone to California for a wedding. I heard him speaking about one of the guys that I respected was having 
uh, he just started a seminary and it's the first West Coast seminary, um, accredited seminary within the, the denomination that I was a part of at the time. So I felt a connection like, oh, I need to go there. The first day I came, I didn't know anybody. I went to go look for an apartment to stay. And I went to the school and said, hey, do you know where I can go? Because there wasn't no internet like it is now. You couldn't Airbnb it. <laughs> we had MapQuest. And um, the first place that I went to find housing was a place on, um, on Haskell Avenue. And it was called Abrams Haskell. And that was such a sign for me that I was in the right place. That this was my Canaan. This is where I was supposed to be at this time in my life. But not knowing that in 20 more years, the Most High would actually take me back to the land and give me this understanding. So we're going to continue to move through this. This is coming from years and years of the Most High showing his fingerprints in my life. And the, 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 un, the untold glory that he's revealing at this point as I walk in obedience and realignment with him and us as a people. He will redeem the time because he promised it to our forefathers. He promised it to our ancestors and he promised it in his word that if my people who will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. What was the promise was land. So Abram kept on journeying in, in verse 12, verse 8. Uh, finish up 12 and then I'll pick it up at 13 through 15. And he removed from thence onto a mountain east of Bethel. This is verse 8 of 12, chapter 12, verse 8. And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And he built an altar there. And then verse 20, uh, 12, 9 says, And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Then there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt. He went down into Egypt. Now, you would think, oh, if you think he's coming from the Middle East, you'll think he's going down to Egypt. But it's, it's actually going down is because the terrain was going down when you're going up. That's why the, 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 the Mediterranean, the, the Nile River dumps up into the Mediterranean because South Africa or if you as you go south from Egypt, it's up. So you go up south and then when you're going down to Egypt, you're coming down the hill. So when you see he went into Egypt, Egypt was already a flourishing dynasty. It was already um, it was already a, a flourishing civilization. It was it was growing. It was amazing. They were in a famine. And, and sometimes when you are going through the shift in what the Most High is trying to do in your life. There's all types of physical things that happen in the environment that looks contrary to what has been spoken. So you have a dream, vision, the Most High says, I'm going to do this. And then a famine comes. Now you have a choice. You can believe what the Most High said and continue to move forward and don't allow the physical environment to change or dictate what the Most High said, or you'll get caught up by the, what the, what the physical environment is sharing or showing you. And Abram had to stand strong. And that's why I am so excited about how Abraham operates because that's such a, 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 a part of my own personal journey and what I've gone through and how I had to persist through situations that some would have given up. Some would have thrown in the towel and just done their own thing. And there was times where I deviated, where I went to the left, where I went to the right. Like, uh, you know, King David, and he went amongst the Philistines for some time and then 
had to wake up or Peter when he he denied the savior the king and was in that state of brokenness and the most high had to restore so the most high restores even Abram he lied when he went to Egypt because he was afraid because he knew how Egypt operate he knew their ways he knew how they how they get down so he had to lie about his 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 wife and say it was his sister but then after the most high had um shifted that whole situation and the king was like man i i didn't know this was your wife you you almost got me destroyed you gotta go take all the stuff you got and go and he was spiritually sensitive as you can see in egypt at the time you see now you have a lot of uh, the book of the dead and they were always talking from spirit space they knew that realm very well in the garden because it was such an interface between the spirit realm and the natural realm um, and it still is to this day. That's why people say it's the land of voodoo and da da da. No, it's just a very spiritually centered area because it sits in the middle of the earth and the Most High dwells above it <laughs> because that's his land that he loves. That's why it physically manifests itself the way it does because the Creator loves it. And then in verse 13, this is the key to let you know where he was before and now he was going back to that same place in Ai. In verse 13, it says, then Abraham went out of Egypt, which is once again in, in the land they call Africa. So from Genesis 1 to 13, all you've been seeing is a lot of lands in Africa. You've seen Ethiopia, you've seen Erich, you've seen Egypt. So we have to relook at the way it's been interpreted and presented and look at it for what it is. And that's what the Most High is doing in this time. He's teaching us his ways again. He's showing us, he's revealing what is really said there. So it says, and Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the South. So he went South again, or in some translation says Negev, which is South. He went South. He went South. He went back to the land of Canaan and, and had some issues with Lot because they were growing so much in Lot because of his influence that happened to him with Haran, his dad. He was like, now nah, I'm going, I'm going to pitch my tent. Um, toward Sodom and he said the men of Sodom were wicked and the sinners before the Most High exceedingly meaning they kept doing things that were contrary to the way the Most High wanted things done he wanted that land and sometimes something can look good and as they say all that glitters is not gold it may look good but is it best for you so sometimes the trinkets may appear to be something that is desirable but if you don't look at the context and look at the surroundings and what you have to lose or what you have to give into or what you have to submit to, you may submit yourself into something that could be very detrimental on the long term. And soon as Lot was released from Abram, now the Most High could talk to him again. And then in verse 13 of verse 14, he says, and the Most High came to Abraham after Lot was separated from him. He said, look up. So sometimes the things that you're trying to do is because of the people you're tied to that is is hindering you from being able to move forward. You have to let some people go. Just like when you have a plane, if you have a small Cessna and you want to go higher, you may have to take a stop, a pit stop and drop some of the cargo off. And that is what is happening in this time. So when the Most High is moving people out of your life, you have to allow him to do that. Let him do the cleanse so that you can prepare yourself for where he's calling you to go ultimately. Because not everybody has the vision to want to go where the Most High has called them to go. They have their own. They, they're pitching their tent in another direction because it looks better this way. 
And Abram said, hey, if you want to go this route, I'll go the other opposite side because I know I need to separate myself from you. I was trying. I, I, I haven't had a son and I was connected to you and you're my blood and my and your dad was gone. But I see that you have a different philosophy than I have. And ultimately, if I don't separate from you, there's going to be more trouble. I love you. This is Abram talking to lie, but you need to go your own way because we're, we're striving and this is not going to work out. So he said. After he's separated, now the Most High comes to him and says, look up, this is verse 14, from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your seed forever. So everywhere south, he said, I give it to your seed forever. Who's, on, who's in the south? Who's there, but hasn't been able to tap into the seed, hasn't been able to tap into the land? They call us Africans, but I call us the firstborn. And we see it displayed in the scripture. Now, everyone claims and has their different claims and reasons for why this is that. I'm not here to argue any of that because the Most High is going to make very clear who his seed are. Our job is to get into alignment. Our job is to get back in the spirit, to begin to obey the Most High, walk according to his ways, according to his counsel, according to his feasts, according to his ordinances, what he's laid down in the scripture and watch him begin to unfold and maneuver this environment into a place where what seems like was a loss will become a win. And then you say, and then it says here, I will give it to your seed forever and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if any man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thou see be numbered. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers as much as the Afro peoples are. They are literally all over the earth, even through after all of the enslavement, all the other things that have happened. The most high still sustained, sustained our seed and literally billions of us. One of the most populous of all the peoples on the earth. So these are the signs you got to go by. Arise, walk through the length of the land and then the breadth of it. And it was so beautiful. And I was able to travel to 27, 28 different countries all through. And I always felt like, man, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm learning. I'm growing. But all of the revelation wasn't clear to me. But I was able to see everything that Most High had I went to all the different lands and was doing different projects, but the most I was preparing me for what he had for all his children who walk uprightly before him. So it was in a fulfillment of what Abram had already experienced in um, the promise that the most I gave to him. And he said, arise, walk through the length, the length, the length of it and in the breadth of it. And I will give it to you. Then Abraham removed his tent. And came and dwelt in the land of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built an altar there. And I went to Mamre in South Africa, in this in the in the Western Cape, right there, Mamre. And there's an old church there that talks about this whole thing. And, and I won't get into all of that, but it was a very special time for me that in uh, last year I was able to go south from Egypt and find Mamre. And that there's uh, uh, there's timber trees there and there's a cave there, as some of the scripture talks about. So the Most High is unveiling all of his spaces to his children. Little by little, we're learning so much about Namibia and what's going on there. And that there's a mountain with a scorched top that they call Brandberg Mountain, which is the mountain of fire. The, the meteorites that are in Namibia, meteorites that 
fell during Joshua's time. So you're seeing the scripture in real time and the Most High is revealing it because of his timetable that's happening in the spirit space. So we want to continue in this Nexodus series as he begins to uh, arise and lift the dry bones again. And it is not going to be by might nor by power. What we, The way the Most High is going to operate and do things is going to be very different from what we've ever seen because so, he wants to show the nations who he is. So our job is not to fight according to the flesh because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through the Most High to the pulling down of strongholds. And right now the strongholds is mental. Me emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. So this Nexodus or Exodus, the movement of the most highest people you see that remnant conversation happening amongst his people for quite some time and now that he's going to step into the scene because we're walking according to his commandments now he can come in and do the work that he wants to do in us so we are thankful but the most high is in control and next week we will go through genesis uh 14 15 16 and continue to move forward look forward to being with you next week